This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Welcome to another episode of the Sustainable-ish podcast. Thank you so much as ever for tuning in. Now, I always forget to say this bit, so I've actually written myself a little reminder this week to say, if you enjoy the podcast, and clearly, why wouldn't you? (laughs) Please do leave a rating and or review on your favourite podcast listening platform. Please do share it with friends and share the love on social media as well so that the podcast can reach more ears and hopefully inspire and motivate the owners of those ears to think about a few little sustainable-ish switches that they could make. And then we get to save the planet. How cool is that? Okay, so how is it October already? That basically means it's all downhill to Christmas and we might as well throw in the towel and start mainlining mince pies. But it also means it's the end of Switchtember, our month-long campaign to get as many people as possible switching to renewable energy tariffs. The numbers are still being crunched, so we'll have to hang on for that. But the good news is that if you still want to switch, and again, why wouldn't you? It will slash your carbon footprint and could save you money, win-win. Sustainable-ish now has a designated page on the Big Clean Switch website, making it even easier to switch and support Sustainable-ish all at the same time. You simply need to visit www.bigcleanswitch.org forward slash sustainable-ish. Right then, today's show. In today's show, I am chatting to Tessa Clark, joint founder and CEO of the food waste app Olio. Listen in to hear how Tessa and her business partner Sasha got started with just a handful of people in a WhatsApp group and how they grew that to an app that has amassed over a million users and their plans to grow it to over a billion users in the coming years. If you listened to episode 41 with Kozo founder Ivo, you might remember some of the stats that he shared about food waste. And the one that stands out for me is that 50% of food waste occurs in the home. So it's something that we can really have an impact on at an individual and at a household level. And it could have a huge impact on the climate crisis because food waste, if it were a country, would be the third biggest emitter of greenhouse gases after the USA and China. How bonkers is that? So grab a cuppa, pull up a chair, take the dog for a walk, whatever it is you do when you're listening to podcasts and settle in and enjoy. Hi Tessa, welcome to Sustainable-ish. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, really excited to have you here. Can you start off as we always do by introducing yourself? Certainly. So my name is Tessa Clark and I am co-founder and CEO of Olio, the food sharing app. Brilliant. So tell us a bit more about Olio. Tell us how it works. And one thing I always love hearing about is how these ideas come about. So um, what Olio is, is it's a free app that connects people who have food that they don't want or need with their neighbours living nearby who would like it. So (laughs) To make that feel a bit more real, perhaps you are going away for the weekend or you're going on holiday, you're moving house, perhaps you've overcated for a party, um, you're a keen gardener. For whatever reason, you've got more food than you want or need. You just snap a photo and add it to the Olio app. Neighbours living nearby get an alert letting them know that something new has been added near them. They can then browse the listings, request what they want and pop around and pick it up. Uh, and that's actually sort of where the real magic happens. It's not necessarily the app itself. It's sort of when two people who live in the same community meet in real life to share food on the doorstep. 
Yeah, that I think that's that's so true. That is completely how the magic happens. And it's a little bit like um Freegal or Free Cycle, if if listeners are familiar with that. And also I don't know if you've come across um there's a, a growing network of buy nothing groups that's a thing that started in the States and um but it's Facebook based, but they talk very much about yeah. this hyper local communities and and that exactly that, that that's where the sort of magic happens when people actually meet in real life and have those physical conversations and things. And, and um, it really is so powerful. It, 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 I mean, we hear sort of stories the whole time about what happens when, when people live in real life, just incredible friendships being made, relationships happening, people really pulling together and, and helping each other out and just sort of having a lot of fun. Um, and I think the other thing that I often say to people, when you look at the Olio app, there's two things that you don't necessarily realize just looking at it. One is what we've just discussed, which is just this incredible sense of community. And then the second thing that's kind of hard to spot just by looking at the app is just how strong the demand for the food is. Because I think a lot of people perhaps are a bit cautious or nervous thinking, well, will it really work? Will anyone want what I've got? (laughs) Yes. Uh, and, and, And the answer is just a resounding and massive yes. So half of all the food added to the app is requesting less than one hour. And so I can say to people, I'm like, you might have just one lemon (laughs) or two lemons. Please put them on the app because there's someone uh, living around the corner who would love to have those one or two lemons. So yeah, yeah, give it give it a try. And it's really easy as well, I think, to think, oh, it's just it's just one lemon. Do you know what? I can't I can't be bothered or this doesn't no one's going to want to pick it up. So you just chuck it in yeah. compost bin at best, uh, landfill bin at worst. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that it's trying to get over that and um, help people to see that their just one lemon is multiplied by lots of lemons and bananas and all those different things. Yeah, you are absolutely spot on the money. So I think that we don't really understand just how many of us there are all mm. doing the same thing. And so we recently ran our first ever tube advertising campaign and as part of that we pulled together all the stats about how many uh, different items of food are thrown away each day and for example UK households throw away 9.9 million potatoes every single day every day uh, which is yeah which is absolutely crazy and so you think well my couple of potatoes doesn't make any difference well it does because there's 28 million other households also thinking the same Yeah, absolutely. And food waste, I think, is one of those things that I don't quite understand why it hasn't caught the imagination in the same way that plastic pollution has, because it it is a very visible thing. I guess in some respects, it's harder to see. With plastic, it's really easy to see the cause and effect, isn't it? To see the impact it's having on wildlife and that sort of thing. With, With food waste, it has a massive impact on climate change, doesn't it? But it's, it's difficult to join those dots. It's not so obvious. I think it's really hard to join the dots because we don't, you know, and understandably don't spend a ton of time thinking about where our food has come from or Mm -hmm. all the resources that go into producing it. And so what most people don't realize, for example, is that a landmass larger than China is used every year to grow food that's never eaten. That's just mental, isn't it? That's crazy. So that is land that has been deforested. Mm. That is species that are being driven to extinction. That is indigenous populations that are being displaced. That is then um, sort of three quarters of all the world's um, fresh water is used to grow food. And a third of that's never eaten. So 25% of all of our uh, humanity's water use is used on food that's never eaten. And -hmm. then you've got the labor, the packaging, the manufacturing, the distribution, that enormous long supply chain. And then when food is... Uh, thrown away and um, most times it ends up in landfill and when it decomposes without access to oxygen it creates methane mm-hmm. which is sort of 23 25 times more deadly than co2 so there's that so it, again you just look at that sort of one banana and think it's not a big deal yeah but actually that one banana has been through an incredibly long resource intensive journey to get to you and then if it ends up in the bin it gives off a very very potent greenhouse um, gas and that isn't as obvious as a plastic bottle yeah which yeah. we all sort of know know comes from fossil fuels which are bad uh and nine times out of ten ends up polluting the natural environment which is also bad yeah so it's really just an education and awareness thing I think yeah definitely and you rattled through some some stats there and 
the the ones that I always find really shocking. I think did you say a third of food produced never reaches the table? That is correct. Yes, well over a third of all the food we produce each year is never eaten. Uh, that's worth over one point two trillion dollars per year. And am I right in saying I think I read somewhere that all the food that of the you know the food that's wasted would feed all the hungry people in the world x times uh, over? Yes. So um, just the food that we waste in the Western world um, would feed all the you know a quarter of actually what we waste would feed all of the hungry people in the world wow so we we live in a world which is awash with food there's far too much mm-hmm. food for everybody uh, but sadly actually as we look to the future we've got another 2.2 billion mm. people joining the planet in order to feed us all we need to increase global food production by 50 percent and today we have no idea how we're going to achieve yeah. that and so and this is why we're so passionate about what we're doing it's utter madness that we're throwing away food at such an enormous scale when we're about to pivot to living in a world in which there is no longer enough food for everybody yeah and crazy to throw away so much food hand in hand with needing to produce more food comes that if we waste less food there's less pressure on the planet and the resources in order to produce more food you know we, we have the food there at the moment it's just we need to use it more we, we need to we need to value it and, and I think yeah. also you know like the reality is we just don't value food I think we forget that this is our life source if we didn't yeah. have this we would all die very very quickly and we just don't give it the value it deserves um and the other thing that we haven't yet collectively got our heads around but we really really need to is whenever I talk about food waste most people say to me oh it must be the supermarket yeah and if I had a pound for every time yeah. I said that, you know, I'd be living on some island somewhere. Um, but the real, sad reality is that it, take a country like the UK, uh, retail stores account for approximately 2% of all food waste. That's mm-hmm. it, 2%. And we, in our homes, in households, we account for well over half of all food waste. So See, actually, if we are going to solve this problem, yeah. we have to solve it ourselves. And that that statistic, I I came across it um, recently when I interviewed the founder of the Cozo app and that 50% of food waste occurring in the home just blew me away because, as you say, I think it's quite natural for us all to think, oh, it's the supermarkets. And we've all seen, you know, those of us who saw Hugh Fernley Whittingstall did a war on waste, didn't he? And there was a big thing on supermarket waste there. And it's very easy to think that, that it's happening somewhere down the chain but 50% yeah. coming from us and that's something we can so easily do something about and have a massive impact on on food waste and on the climate crisis at the same time. So it is actually, it's shocking, but it's quite empowering, I think. It, it, it's enormously empowering. So, you know, Sasha, my co-founder and I, we are just, so the state of the world, let's face it, is a bit grim right now, yeah. um, but we are just inherently optimistic. And when we first came across this stat, we were just mortified and just found it so depressing. Mm. Gosh, we are half of this problem. And then we just thought, well, hang on it. If we flip that on its head, that means that we can be half the solution. And we don't have to wait for governments who are busy arguing about Brexit. We don't have to wait for businesses who are prioritizing shareholder return above everything else. Actually, sort of the people can Mm. crack on um, and solve this problem. And, And also what a lot of people don't realize is that if it were to be a country food waste would be the third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions mm. after the USA and China. And, and, and actually, and in a stack ranking of the top 100 most effective solutions to the climate crisis, food waste comes in position number three, and that comes above electric cars and above solar power. Yeah. So we like to tell people, if you want to play your part in fixing the climate crisis, which let's face it, billions of small actions got us into this mess. So surely Mm. billions of small actions can get us out of it. Actually, one of the most impactful thing you can do is to stop throwing away food. Yeah, definitely. And it's not really a big ask, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not not a big ask. Well, it's something that will save you money as well. You know, it's it's one of those win-win scenarios, isn't it? And I think that's where when... People sort of say to me, or I hear it quite commonly on social media, you know, individual actions will never be enough. And nobody's ever saying individual actions on their own will ever be enough. But, you know, obviously we need governments and we need businesses. But 
I can't do masses to influence government and businesses from my, you know, from my sofa, but actually I have control over my household some of the time um, and what they eat and what they don't. So that's a, that's a huge thing that we can all take control and responsibility over. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's enormous. You know, food waste, third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions. Half of all food waste takes place in the home. Yeah. I think that puts us in a really, really strong and empowering position to make a real difference. Absolutely. So before you started Olio, did you know that food waste was such a big driver of, of the climate crisis? Or was it something that you, the more you learned, the more you were like, this is something we need to do something about? Uh, I had absolutely no clue whatsoever. <laughs> I will sort of hold my hands up and, and, and fess up to that. So how I sort of really stumbled across this all was due to an experience I had about four and a half years ago, which sort of was a seemingly inconsequential experience, but something that sort of set my life onto a just a completely different trajectory. And so I was living um, overseas and moving back to the UK. And on moving day, the removal men said to me that I had to throw away all of the food that we hadn't eaten. Now, I'm originally a farmer's daughter, my family is still farming. Um, and I know from firsthand experience, just how much hard work mm. goes into producing all of this food. And so I have always hated food waste. So I was not prepared to chuck this food away when they told me that that was what I had to do. And so much their irritation, I stopped <laughs> packing and instead bundled up my newborn baby and my toddler. And for those of your listeners with uh, with children, they will appreciate just what big effort <laughs> just getting, <laughs> getting out of the house is to do that. So 45 minutes later, I'm out on the street sort of clutching my food when I'm supposed to be packing. Um, and... To cut a long story short, the person I was hoping to be able to give the food to just for some reason wasn't there that day. And I, I got a bit over-emotional, got a bit teary that I'd gone to all this effort to share mm. this food and it, it failed. And I thought about knocking on my neighbor's doors and thought that's just, I haven't got time to do that and that could be awkward and embarrassing. So I went back to my apartment and when they weren't looking, I smuggled the non-perishable food into the bottom of my packing boxes. Mm. And that was the point at which I thought, oh, I'm, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. But to me, it just was absolutely wrong to put perfectly good food in the bin and so that was when I had that I guess this metaphorical light bulb moment of hang on a minute there's an app for everything why isn't there an app where I can just advertise I have this food and someone who lives nearby who wants it can pop around and pick it up um and then I shared that idea with my co-founder Sasha and the first thing we did was research the problem of food waste to understand if that problem that I'd experienced was was a, yeah. a big problem or not and and all I can say is it was just the most terrifying experience just uncovering fact after fact after fact and I, I just we we were incredulous that this was reality and that no one was screaming from the rooftops about it it felt like we'd sort of woken up in this weird yeah. utopian nightmare just to discover that it's actually reality mm. yeah. so uh, yes that was that was how I, I got to where I am so that's you've missed a big chunk out there I'm assuming because you know I I say this to everybody it's all very well having having an idea and I'm someone I say this a lot I have a lot of amazing ideas but very few of them see the light of day so how do you go from someone with you know little or no experience around food waste um I don't know how techy or otherwise your background is to suddenly having having this app that works and does what it needs to (laughs) Um, so it, well, it was quite a methodical journey actually that, that Sasha and I went through. So the first thing we did after we'd done that desk research, which demonstrated clearly it's an enormous problem. The next thing we did, we said, well, it might be an enormous problem, but if no one cares about it, then no one's going to want an app to solve yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how can we find out if people care about it or not? And so we pulled together a market research survey. And then we just shared it into tons of local Facebook groups, mm-hmm. asking people just to give us their opinion. And the key data point coming out of that was that one in three people told us they were physically pained throwing away good food. Wow. And we used sort of deliberately extreme language, like physically pained, because we wanted to weed out the sort of, yeah, food waste is bad, which probably yeah. most people would sign up to. So we're like, wow, one in three people are physically pained throwing away good food. And yet there has been no innovation since the rubbish bin. Okay, right. this is yeah. this is exciting, um, but we didn't. That just because they had the problem didn't mean to say that they would take the next step mm. of our hypothesis, which is that they would actually share food with a neighbour. Yeah. And before we sort of sunk our life savings into building this app, we thought, how on earth can we test that for free, basically? And mm. what we came up with was we 
invited 12 people who had said on that survey that they were sort of physically painful and were good food to join us to do an experiment for two weeks. And they all lived sort of close to each other. We didn't know them and they didn't know each other. And we asked them if they'd be put on a, a WhatsApp group. Mm-hmm. And we said, hey, for the next two weeks, you all, you all live near each other. You're all taking part in this crazy experiment. Thank you. Um, if you've got any food, here's some people who would, um, you know, who you can share it with. Yeah. And we sort of waited with bated breath, I think, for kind of 12 or 24 hours. And then we had our first share, um, which was half a bag of schlops, which was very sort of crouch, <laughs> crouch end where we were <laughs> do, doing, doing the first, um, that pilot. Um, and, and then sharing took place throughout those two weeks. And then we met with those 12 people afterwards face-to-face in, in cafes sort of scattered over North London and asked them for their feedback. And, and they basically said to us three things. They said, you have to build this. <laughs> and then they said, secondly, it only needs to be slightly better than a WhatsApp group, which was mm-hmm. just incredibly powerful f- feedback for us. And then thirdly, they said, how can, how, how can I help? And that was really the start of our um, ambassador program, which has really been critical to helping Olio grow to where we are today. Yeah. And I want to talk to you about that um, shortly, but can you tell us, so when was that first WhatsApp group? How many years ago was that? That was in the spring of 2015. So Sasha and I, yeah. So we gave ourselves, we sort of incorporated the company February 2015 and we knew that sort of by the end of that year, we had to have made sufficient progress that we didn't have to go and get proper jobs. And mm-hmm. we, we weren't 100% clear, actually, on what sufficient progress would look yeah. like. Um, but we knew that success was that we didn't have to go back and get proper jobs again. Um, right. And so we were sort of definitely on a mission, you know, in a hurry. Uh, we we're both on our maternity leaves at that time. Um, so it took us five months to the day to go from incorporating the company to get the first version of the app in the app store and kind of going through that yeah. market research and the testing and whatever. And then we were in pilot mode. So we made Olio available in just in five postcodes in North London. Yeah. And we stayed at that level for about six months because there is no other neighbor to neighbor food sharing app anywhere in the world. Yeah. So there wasn't really anything that we could copy from or, or learn from. We had to sort of figure it out ourselves. Yeah. And so then it was only at the end of January, 2016 that we made the app available across the UK. And what's the uptake been like? How many users do you have now? So as of today, we have 1.4 million uh, people have joined Olio. Um, So that's actually kind of, you know, created an account with us and joined us. And together they have shared just under two and a half million portions of food. Wow. Yeah, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, And it's very, very exciting because already we're having a massive impact. So just that food that's been shared so far um, we have saved 330 million liters of water because food as I said earlier is super water intensive mm. um, and we've also the environmental impact we've had has been equivalent to taking over six million car miles off the road Wow! and what really excites me about that is we're doing about 0.001% of our full potential and already we've taken six million car miles off off the road Wow. So you talk about that full potential. What what does that full potential look like to you? Well, we have uh, an unashamedly bold ambition. And that's because, quite frankly, the world needs us to Mm. achieve this without wanting to put too fine a point on it. But we have a climate crisis, an ecological crisis. We cannot continue to live and to consume and to waste in the way that we do. So we want a billion people using Olio within the next 10 years. And so that actually, instead of our, our default mode of consumption, we want to completely change. So at the moment, mm. we extract resources from the planet. We use them for 5% of the useful life and we toss them into landfill. Mm. We've got 7.5 billion people doing that, rapidly rising to 10 billion. It's just not sustainable. We're living as if we have 1.75 planets and we don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. And our vision of the future is one where we take resources out of the planet and then we share them round and round and round and round our local community. And mm-hmm. whatever can't be reused, repaired, uh, goes you know, to waste and so we really want neighbors to be connected and using Olio you know, on a daily or weekly basis to share sort of their food and non-food items uh, with so one you another. said non-food items there as well so that's something that yes. you're branching out into yeah so our users really took us there actually because um, I think 
partly because the Olio app works so well. So mm-hmm. half of all the food, as I said, is requested in less than an hour. And so our users started putting on toiletries and cleaning products, right. yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. light bulbs and shower heads and kitchen appliances. Uh, and I was busy taking all those listings down and we quickly realized that that was not a scalable solution. And that actually, we hate waste of any variety at Olio. Mm-hmm. And there is all this stuff in your house, yeah. Um, which at the end, I think we read the other day that the average American home has 300,000 things in it. And I'm sure oh the average British home probably isn't far behind. Yeah. And the way we see it is that is the world's precious resources trapped mm. in your home. Meanwhile, your neighbor is off buying brand new yeah. um, the same stuff. Uh, so actually, let's just create a new section of the app where people can give away for free the stuff that they just you don't want to sell you don't want to ship it halfway across the country yeah. a charity store either isn't open isn't nearby doesn't want it yeah you just want it gone but you don't want to put it in the bin it only makes sense for a neighbor to pop around and pick up those things yeah absolutely and and I think it's it's those things as well that we sort of think well who's you know who's going to want that who's going to want a half packet of dividers or yeah. a, you know a couple of yeah. slightly tired looking a4 folders or I always talk about, you know, you've opened that bag of dog food and your dog's turned its nose up at it. But I'm absolutely amazed all the time at the stuff that people are, are, you know, more than happy to to sort of um, rehome. There there is always someone who wants your stuff. You know, even Sasha and I today will kind of message each other going, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, I've just added this to the app and someone wanted it. Um, Mm. So, but our, our big challenge, as I've said, there's no shortage of people who want to pick up free food or free household items, mm-hmm. none whatsoever. Our biggest challenge is just to encourage people to take that leap of faith and to try it and to yeah. add something for the first time. And then once they do, they have a lovely experience. They realize that was fun. That was normal. Um, and then they, they continue doing it. Yeah. And I guess as well, it needs to reach a certain critical mass in a, in a local area to yeah make it work I think um from from what you've said it sounds like it's very well established in London um I'm in sort of fairly rural Wiltshire and have looked and there's not many people local to me Uh, well but you see so so that's one of the challenges that we have so 95% of our user base in the UK have a hundred or more people signed up to Olio within a 10 minute walk of them yeah so actually across the UK we have enough people have joined the app. Okay. One of our big one of our big challenges is people look at the app, they don't see many listings near them, sure. so they assume there aren't many people near them. Right. The reality is because stuff comes on and off the app so fast that actually that's a sort of an incorrect assumption to make. So again, okay. we say to people, even if you don't see many listings near you, if you add, right. you almost certainly get requested. Okay. And that, that's, that's really a challenge. You know, that's a real challenge for us as a business. We've got to sort of get better at trying to explain that to people. And mm. there must be lots of people like that. me who go, well, I've had a look and there's sure. nothing near me. And, there's and nothing near me. Therefore, yeah. there's no one using it near me. And mm. it's just, that's just sort of not true. So 80% of all the food added to the app is picked up. And also, well over half of all the sharing takes place outside of London. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so about about forty percent of forty percent of our sharing is in London. Sixty percent is outside of London. So what we what we need is everybody listening to 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 go and to download the app, to join it, and then to list something, even if it looks like yeah. there's nobody near them, just to list yeah. something and have a go. Totally, yeah. And I guess yeah. this is also where your food waste heroes and your ambassadors come in is really driving uh, uh, creating that hyper local community as well. So can you explain to us a little bit how that works? Yes, so we have two types of volunteers. So the first are our ambassadors. So we've now had 40,000 people reach out to offer. I know it's amazing. (laughs) Reach out to offer to volunteer to spread the word about Olio in their local community. Mm -hmm. And um, there's two sort of flavors of that. Either you can be a digital ambassador, which means that you will sort of share on social media and via email and stuff like that. Or you can take physical marketing materials, so mm-hmm. posters, letters, flyers. And um, we also provide our users with access to speaking notes and guidance on how to host community events. Wow. Because nobody knows your local community better than you do. Mm. And so nobody's in a better position to help spread the word than you are. Um, so the ambassadors have played just a really critical role in helping Olio to grow to where we are today. And also, actually, it's worth saying that um, we have had food successfully shared in 49 countries so far. Wow. And that 
you know, I wish I'd been to all those Fortune 9 countries. Sadly, I haven't. Um, <laughs> but we have ambassadors in all of those countries who are passionate about getting Olio going in their local community. And so we've got these sort of pockets of sharing springing up um, all over the world. So that, that's what the ambassadors do. And then the second type of volunteer we have, we call food waste heroes. And essentially what they do is they um, collect unsold food from their local bakery, cafe, deli, supermarket, corner shop, greengrocer. They collect that unsold food at the end of the day. They take it home. They add it to the app. And then within minutes, that food's being requested by their neighbors. Minutes later, the neighbors are showing up to pick it up. And so we're essentially enabling those businesses to be zero food waste. Mm. And we're working with big chains like Pret-a-Manger or Selfridges, the department store, um, Virgin Trains, Planet Organic, Compass, uh, the world's largest catering company. But then also we have food waste heroes who are setting up, they're approaching their own local businesses and getting them on board. So we give people full guidance about how to sign up your local bakery or coffee shop, for example. And oh, we wow, found that that's, that's really yeah, critical. Thinking, you know, I, I don't know if I'd be brave enough or know how to how to even start sort of approaching local businesses and whether they just look at me like I was a bit strange but having that Mm -hmm. backup and those resources behind you and and I guess being able to say look this is this is a thing this is people are doing this all around the country gives you that um sort of extra layer of confidence to go and do that yeah for sure we have a sort of a step-by-step manual for how to do that we have a team who support everybody and then but then most importantly we have the community so we have 5,000 food waste heroes now um, mm-hmm. and so we've got a community who are sharing tips and tricks with each other about how to how to make it happen yeah and we found that the food waste heroes are really important because back to your point of some people opening the app not seeing much stuff near them sure. therefore thinking the app isn't active actually if you can get a local bakery or get a local um, coffee shop or deli or supermarket signed up mm. that then means that there is food coming onto the app every single day and yeah. that then really helps to kickstart sharing in, in that local community. And do you ever find that the food waste heroes end up just being like, I've, I've gone and picked up all this food and now it's stuck here with me and I, I don't know what to do with it. Does that ever become a bit of an issue? Uh, not really. No, because back to, the, you know, there is no shortage of people who want free food. So over <laughs> 95% of all the food picked up by food waste heroes um, is picked up. Wow. If and you is are it, living it, in an area, then we sort of the where the community isn't that well developed. Again, we give you a kind of step by step guide about how to ensure that that food is requested. Yeah, so I guess it's almost a bit of a chicken and an egg thing in that that you need um, the ambassadors or somebody on the ground to be sort of driving demand for this, and then and then a food waste hero there with the supply almost. Correct. Yep. You're, you're absolutely right. They, they work really, really well in, in tandem with each other. We're sort of, we're building a two-sided marketplace and you've got to grow supply and demand in lockstep yeah. with one another. And so that the ambassadors and the food waste heroes complement each other really well. In, in, in yeah. And it's a bit like um, the community fridges, if, if people have heard of them, where there's, you know, a physical fridge and uh, things are collected for, either left by individuals or collected from local businesses and popped in this communal area where people can come and collect that. But it takes a layer of um, complexity out of it in that you don't need to find a venue, you don't need to find the fridge, you don't right. need to have all the health right. and safety around the log books and things like that as well. Yeah, yeah it, it really is. What we're doing with Olio, I know sort of, to many people it might seem strange or unusual because there is no other app doing what we're doing but if you actually sort of just break it down a little bit all we're doing is enabling human beings to do what we've done for two million years (laughs) if you speak to any social anthropologist about what have been the key success factors to humanity getting to where it is today our ability to share food Mm. in our local communities has been critical to that and so actually it isn't sort of sharing food via Olio that's unusual. What's unusual is that we've spent the past sort of 30, 40, 50 years tossing food in the bin yeah. rather than giving it to our neighbour. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, it's, it's not so very long ago that it would, I'm old enough to remember, wasn't there a Nescafe advert or something where they went round for, to the neighbours for yes. sure? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, we used to do that routinely, but with busy lives and disconnected communities and things like that, we, we, have lost connections a lot of us with our neighbours so this helps to to reconnect us a little bit it, it doesn't it's just so at the end of the day it's just common sense at the moment yeah. we all live in our, li- our little boxes so sort of stacked on top of each other and stacked beside each other 
and yet we don't actually know each other we have no way to connect or communicate mm. to to share what is ultimately our most precious resources on which our life depends yeah. uh, and we're living in an increasingly resource constrained world so we cannot continue to consume and to waste in the way that we have so far and so it only makes sense to share stuff with your neighbor rather than throw it in the bin and yeah. also there's so much joy and happiness that comes from it just it feels amazing and it has to be I guess it experienced to be believed, but it just it feels amazing to give something to someone for free with no expectation just, of anything. With no like expectation, that, yeah. and it just and, and they are so happy um, yeah. to to get that thing. And so it is just a really nice example of positivity and, and the power and sort of faith in humanity. Yeah. When at the moment a lot of other things are are quite grim around us. Yeah, and there's no. Um... I think sometimes with community fridges and things, there's a there's a concern that it's the kind of the well-to-do um, giving the food and then those who, um, you know, maybe struggling or, um, you know, struggling to make ends meet and that sort of thing who are then receiving the food. But yeah. this is just the food is there for anyone who wants it or anyone who needs it. And there's no stigma associated with taking that free food that's on offer. Correct. I mean, this is something both Sasha and I feel really, really passionately about. So Olio is about community, mm-hmm. not charity. Yeah. Um, and there, there aren't enough homeless people or hungry people in the world to eat all of the food that we throw away. Yeah. So the reality is that everybody has to get involved to solve the food waste problem. And so we position Olio just as part of modern sustainable everyday living Mm -hmm. and the beauty of it is that we do have some people using the app who are struggling who are going through difficult times but what they love about earlier and they tell us this the whole time is that there is no stigma attached to this this is not a digital food bank yeah and um that's really 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 important it's just it's just common sense community living yeah um and you said that you know the already there's 1.4 million users you've um got this this aim of a billion people using the app did you right from the beginning was was the vision this big um yes <laughs> uh, it was i mean I'd, I'd love to say it wasn't but once we'd gone through that process of just understanding just how enormous this problem was and, and both sasha and i you know we racked our brains for a long time to think of solutions other than oleo for solving yeah. the problem of food waste in the home um and and where we came out at is that we're never going to be able to completely eliminate food waste in the home it's always we're always going to have birthday parties and move yes, out yeah. and, and want to give people gifts and, and work late and, and go on diets like these mm, things are not mm. going to change and so you know food waste is going to continue to be a massive problem uh, and it has to be solved and so for us it has to be solved and it has to be solved at scale yeah. So we 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 always knew we always had really big ambitions for Olio because, you know, quite frankly, the world needs us to do that. Yeah. Uh, early on, you know, we we had massive imposter syndrome. You know, still yeah. do. We felt like total charlatans calling ourselves sort of entrepreneurs. Um, but I, I remember a good friend of mine saying to me, "Given everything you know, if you don't do something yeah. about this, then." then who is? And yeah. I was like, you know what? That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, so how yeah, did you I, find the, the courage to, to aim that big? Because I don't know if other people will relate to this, but I really relate to this. I, you know, I, I see these things that we can all easily do to, to help the planet and things, but then I kind of think, well, no one's going to listen to me. And, and, and again, another thing, another sort of, I guess it's a two part question, but how did you, create that into a business that can pay your mortgage at the same time as doing all this good thing so sorry that's two questions in one so how did you find the courage and uh, what how did you sort of uh, get the plan for revenue so I'll start off with the sort of courage thing mm. um, so you know I mean on, on the one hand we make these very publicly bold statements um, but we, we of course are always struggling with the imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, but I think there's three things that have really given us courage. So one is just the data. The data is yeah. just very, very clear. The second thing is, um, you know, both Sasha and I are now sort of in the second half of our lives, which is a really depressing, <laughs> horrible thing to admit to, but 
it's true. Um, and I think sort of in the second half of your life, you do start thinking about much more about what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think you become increasingly, um, you have maybe a bit more confidence just to say it as it is. You mm-hmm. know, you spent probably quite a lot of your time having to rep- repress what you think in order to fit in. Um, so I think we're definitely feeling sort of, you know, two women who are just feeling a bit more emboldened sure. to call it out. And then the third thing is we've both got kids. Yeah. You know, um, I've got a, a five-year-old and a six-year-old. Sasha's got a six-year-old. And that forces every single day to be thinking about what is the world that we are mm. gifting to them. Um, and so then you, it becomes not about yourself and your ego. In fact, it's nothing to do with me. Yeah. You know, our, our ambition is nothing to do with me. It's about what the planet needs and what our kids need. Sure. And do you and think so, having, yeah. the, having the two of you doing it together, that always strikes me as something that would be really helpful to, to just sort of G each other up. And, you know, when one of them's going, what the hell are we doing? The other one's going, <laughs> it's okay, we can do this. And you have an idea and they're like, yes, instead of you having an idea yeah. and then thinking, no, 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 no. Yeah, we, we definitely sort of alternate the crying and the cheerleading. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yes, I, I cannot, it's been transformational having a partner in crime, mm. um, a co-conspirator, someone else who just sort of believes the same things that you do. The, the support is absolutely enormous. I think also our chances of success are far greater yeah. because we both bring different things to the table. So mm. I, I would always highly recommend if someone is, thinking about doing something one just really try and move beyond thinking and take some incremental steps steps to start doing and two find someone to do it with because it makes it so much easier and so much more fun yeah and I think that you know the fact that you started with 12 people in a whatsapp group we can all do that we can all get you know 11 people we know or don't know in a whatsapp group and then yeah, I, I especially like that bit you said that they that they said to you in the feedback it doesn't need to be much better than a WhatsApp group. So that your almost your barrier to that sort of minimum viable product was therefore quite low. If they'd said, well, do you know what yeah. it needs this and this and this and this, maybe you'd have gone, oh crap! Like I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, exactly. I think too often we sort of look at people's stories and, and we look at the end product mm-hmm. and and we miss out all of the steps that they went through in order to get there. And if you look, if you go from sort of A to Z, that looks quite scary. But if you yes. go to A to B and B to C and C to D and D to E, yeah. then actually it's just a lot more achievable, a lot less daunting. Yeah. Um, and then you start kind of getting the swing of things. You start getting momentum. You know, I would never have dreamed five years ago, if someone said to me that I would be considered an expert in food waste. I mean, yeah. I would have laughed at them. <laughs> um, but, actually now I probably am yeah and I I say the same thing all the time about you know air quotes sustainable living to go from where you are now to I don't know some zero waste minimalist vegan perfection is you know not even want to get there but to that's that's your a to z if you can go a to b or a to a point one do you know like that's what you need to do and then take the next step and the next step yeah absolutely so um the sort of revenue thing, I think a thing that yes. puts me off a lot with ideas is thinking, oh, this, this, this is a brilliant idea. This needs to be done. I can't see at the moment how, how I can generate income from it. You know, I've got bills to pay, all those sorts of things. So it, it doesn't happen. Have mm-hmm. you, you know, how does the app make money? And was that a, an immediate concern right from the beginning? We need to know how this is going to make money longer term. So that that is a really important consideration. So given we knew that anything we're doing, we want to do at scale, we knew that we had to have um, an ability to have a a business model that would work at scale. Yeah. Uh, And this is something that we feel very strongly about because a lot of people, when they hear what Olio does, and they're like, wow, you're doing really good stuff. Oh, so you must be a charity. And we're like, Mm. no, we're not a charity. Um, and, and we've been stuck for too long, I think, in this sort of dichotomous world between charities do good, mm-hmm. but often find it very hard to scale. Yeah. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, we've got businesses which are phenomenal at scaling, but arguably it's quite questionable as to how much yes. good they're doing to yeah. people and planet. Um, and we believe really, really firmly that there is going to be this new third path, which is, you know, we think it's just common sense, which yeah. is profit with purpose. Yeah. And so just because we're doing good in the world does not mean to say that we can't 
generate revenues and have a business yeah. model. In fact, arguably, because we're doing good in the world, we really need to have um, a business model and, and generate revenues. Yeah. Having said that, um, so that's, I guess, our overall philosophy. In terms of the path that we have taken along there, Olio is quite, um, it's got a sort of unique, own unique set of circumstances, which is that it only really starts making sense when it's at scale. So there is no point in us trying to generate revenues when we've got 2,000 people sharing yeah. in N8. Um, and especially when you've got very limited resources. When you have two developers, yeah. you don't want them focused on generating, building features to generate revenues. You want them focused on building features that are going to be amazing so that those users tell another 2,000 users, tell another yeah. 2,000 users, and off you go. We started, though, generating revenues about a year and a half ago through charging the businesses, the large businesses, for the services we provide to enable them to have zero food waste stores. So at the moment, again, a lot of people don't seem to realize this, businesses pay good money mm-hmm. to waste contractors to take their food off to landfill or yeah. anaerobic digestion. Instead, they can now pay Olio and um, that food will be redistributed into the local community. Mm-hmm. So that's one way in which we started generating revenues. Um, we have a bunch of other ways that we're really excited to start experimenting with, mm-hmm. to learn, to see what will be most um, will work best with our community and our products. I think the other thing that we've experienced on the journey as well is that some of the ideas we had around monetization sort of in the super early days make no sense whatsoever right. now. Yeah. Now and similarly, ideas that we could never have dreamt of. I mean, ne- the Food Waste Heroes program actually being a classic example. When we launched Olio, we did have lots of ideas as how we could make money, and that was not not one of them. Yeah. But only through kind of getting going, do new opportunities emerge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. And when um, before we started recording, you came on and you said, "Oh, you're busy fundraising at the moment." So yeah. Olio, up until that point, eighteen months ago, where you started exploring revenue streams, was was funded via investors and things. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Sasha and I bootstrapped for the first year which means that we sort of financed it out of our savings yeah. uh, and then we've since raised three rounds of uh, what's referred to as equity financing so basically investors who buy into our vision for the world mm-hmm. and what we've achieved mm. they take a, um, a an ownership stake in the company in exchange for giving us capital with which yeah. we can use to recruit the team and you know keep the servers and the lights on and the light dragons den but not on the telly yeah yeah (laughs) yeah okay yeah um and so when you were pitching to these investors did you just sort of have some you know these are once we've reached x number of users these are some of these the ideas that we've got for revenue they didn't kind of need to know okay you know from day one where's the money coming from and how are we going to see our our returns on our investment well different different investors have different criteria um so some investors have you know we will not invest unless you have a million pounds of revenue each year like wow. that, that's just a mm. non-negotiable for us. Other investors are, are happy to um, invest pre-revenue, um, uh, and it's it's just horses for courses, really. Yeah. So it's a bit like it's a bit like dating. You've got to find <laughs> a good a good match for you, and, and yeah. you have to kiss, kiss a lot of frogs <laughs> along the way, unfortunately. And you decided to go down that route rather than um, the sort of charitable funding route or any any investment that's available yeah. specifically for social enterprises and things like that yeah we, we did because so i can't name a single charity that mm. is scale that is scaled and as quickly as now i'm not saying these businesses are good businesses but they have scale you know as facebook as uber right. as Spotify, yeah, yeah, yeah. as netflix as airbnb as dropbox as slack zoom so um, there just isn't that sort of model. It's, it's just yeah. very hard for charities to, you know, fundraising is difficult. I know this because <laughs> I'm doing this right now. And and the charity model is, is to be spend the rest of your life sort of constantly fundraising. And that's yeah. also not Sasha and I's area of expertise, quite frankly. So that was sort of off the cards for us. Yeah. Plus, we knew we wanted to get to a billion people and we probably couldn't get it. You know, we just wouldn't be able to get that through charitable contributions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then applying for grants and stuff like that. We've had some experience doing that, but it's, it takes a huge yeah. amount of time um, and it's just very slow moving. And when you're a startup, you've just got to be moving really, really fast mm-hmm. and things are constantly sort of chopping and changing. And so 
we have found that private investors who are just backing our view of the world and the yeah. future we want to build is is the best route for us yeah it's absolutely fascinating um but back back to food waste um you yeah. mentioned getting the businesses involved and i was having a look around the website and it's just brilliant all the different ways you've got that that businesses can kind of get involved and can use olio because you've talked about you know the food waste heroes going to um bakeries at the end of the day and that kind of thing but if companies have had uh, events and all that sort of thing they can and things that I would have never even occurred of you know thought of but then you think oh yeah of course there's going to be food waste after that there's loads of brilliant ways that businesses can get involved as well isn't there there are yes so we um again this is another example of sort of an opportunity that came to us that we hadn't necessarily sat you know it wasn't part of the master plan at the beginning yeah. um but we found that events organizers started reaching out to us because if you think about it every event is overcated by you know 120 150 percent because you cannot run out of food at yeah, events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. often the quality of the food at these events is just absolutely incredible and so it is heartbreaking for the venues or the events managers to have mm-hmm. to throw away that and the caterers have to throw away that perfectly good food and then also we've got other examples like um photo shoots yes right? that so was the all, one that all, made all oh, magazines yes. and cooking shows and this yeah. that and the other they have tables and tables of food that all just has to get chucked away at the end yeah. I mean again it's just absolutely heartbreaking to think of that so you can go on to our website uh, and you can book a food waste hero who will come and collect and redistribute your food from that catered yeah. breakfast lunch or dinner or that networking thing or that photo shoot uh, absolutely so has anyone been to pick up the cakes from Bake Off <laughs> 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 They should. We haven't, not yet, but what we have had is lots of people inspired by Bake Off right. having a go at home and then they share what they baked on the oh, app. Oh, okay. You know, like if you're a keen baker, it's really not good for your waistline <laughs> everything that you bake. Yeah. Um, and we've got, we've got a wonderful um, cookery school down, I think it's down in Sussex somewhere. Um, you know, every week they're sharing all these phenomenal creations um onto the app with the community because the, wow. the students at the cookery school just just can't eat it all well yeah actually i went on a um a baking day with richard bertonet who's a um, pastry sort of chef oh, yeah. and yeah. uh and honestly you know we'd all made like bags and bags of croissants and all these kinds of yummy things and 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 people just couldn't you know fill their bags enough yeah. with the stuff that they'd yeah. made to take away and I ended up you know I gave a bag to a um a homeless guy in the street as I was walking back to the car and I just thought god where is all this food gonna go yeah. and yeah, yeah having an easy solution like that makes perfect sense yeah and just imagine you know how happy you make your neighbors yeah, <laughs> yeah. what more what more could you want than sort of home-baked cakes and fancies it's the same with them um, fruit and veg so it's sort of prime uh, yeah. harvest time I guess right now and there are some people who are drowning in, let's say, carrots or courgettes or marrows. Well, like, I just don't want to eat marrows yeah. for the fourth night in a row. I'm Meanwhile, their neighbour yeah. is thinking, oh, my God, organic, homegrown marrow. That'd, yeah. that'd be amazing. Yeah, So yeah. definitely. And when you said um, 50% food waste occurs in the home, what kinds of things are people chucking out? Is it stuff that's gone past its use-by day? Is it stuff that um they just don't get round to eating or you know the kids half eaten Weetabix what sort of the mind boggles really as to how we can get to 50% as food waste yeah so the average UK family throws away 22% of the weekly shop which is worth 800 pounds sterling per year um and in which is just mind boggling in terms of the types of stuff that we see coming onto the app we see a lot of um, fresh fruit and vegetables. Yeah. Um, because I think it can just be hard. You know, For example, if you live alone, it can be really hard to buy a single carrot. Yeah, um, sure. You end up having yeah. to buy a bag of 10 or mm-hmm. a, a big bag of potatoes. Like, what are you going to do with it? You just can't get through them mm. um, in time. So we see a lot of fruit and veg. We then see a lot of um, cupboard items. The one that sort of always makes me smile is um, fancy flavors of tea. So we right. are without a doubt a nation of tea drinkers. Um, we clearly experiment with these flavors. We don't like them. What are you going to do with the other <laughs> 49 bags? What happens at the moment is people leave them in the cupboard for years mm. until they then feel slightly less guilty to throw <laughs> them away. And what we say to people is just, just 
add, you know, if you don't like it, just add it to the app. And right. You have a neighbor who love who loves that flavor of tea. But that does raise the interesting point around dates and sort of what we allow mm. to be shared on the app. I was going to say, are so, there any rules? So the the sort of the number one rule is that you cannot add food after it's used by date okay. on the app. So the used by date is a health and safety date. It's most commonly found on sort of meat and milk uh, and fish uh, and sort of pre-cooked stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's a health and safety date. But food after it's best before date absolutely is allowed on the app. Yes. It's snapped up within minutes. And best before literally just means that that is optimal from an aesthetics or composition or taste yeah. or freshness perspective before that date it is perfectly you know safe and delicious to eat for weeks months even years yeah. after that date and so sadly there's a lot of confusion in the UK um, about dates the other question that we have is can I open can I um, add opened items yeah and again yes absolutely uh, you can uh, the other sort of rule is only add something that you yourself would eat yeah. So nothing after it's used by date, nothing that you yourself wouldn't eat, um, then you're good to go. And home cooked stuff, you, you mentioned cakes and things like that. Yep. But if somebody's, yep. you know, made a massive lasagna and for some reason can't freeze it or they've got something out of the freezer and can't refreeze yep. again, that's fine to almost do ready meals for people. That is fine. And again, that sort of stuff is in is in high demand because yeah. you know, there are a lot of people who don't cook. Who wouldn't want a, whatever homemade homemade um yeah, a homemade ready meal or a homemade, you know, Indian curry. We see a yeah. lot of those coming onto the app. Brilliant. So, um, obviously, aside from using Olio, I'm imagining that you're fairly hot on food waste at home. Have you got any other food waste tips for people listening? Yes, I do. So the first one is not particularly exciting sounding, but actually <laughs> it's remarkably effective, uh, and, and that is just to plan. Um, yeah so it, you know it doesn't sound fun but actually it can be fun to sit down and think right you know and especially if you've got a family you can get other members involved so what are we going to eat this week mm. and you kind of draw up a plan you then shop to the plan that just is immediately um extremely helpful and then generally sort of shop to one meal less than the plan yes and make sure that at any point in time you've always just got sort of a, a cupboard meal that you can always whip up yeah and that that is really helpful the second thing um and this i've only sort of really learned um since doing olio is just all the incredible food storage tips and tricks that are out there so um you know wrap something around the top of your bananas um and that will dramatically slow the rate at which they um ripen so when you've got a bunch of bananas um, and something around that sort of collective stalk around the stalk really really slows down them going uh, brown Never store potatoes and onions together because they accelerate the rate at which they ripen. Really? See, I've don't... got my potatoes and my onions in the same basket. Yeah, no, they need to be moving out. They're, not, they're, not, good, they're not good bedmates. Um, uh, okay. Tomatoes, don't put those in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Um, your herbs, sort of treat them like flowers. Uh, and then one of my favourite ones, uh, which is totally random, which is um, if you open an avocado and then you've got half and you keep it in the fridge just put a slice of um onion in with it and it stops the avocado from going brown oh and leave the stone in as well i was told to leave the stone um, in yeah yeah, yeah. so, so the, the, and they're just a few there are loads of food storage yeah. and tips and tricks and then i think so so plan it right store it right then you know get creative mm. in the kitchen i mean i i'm ash- again i'm ashamed to admit this but i only made breadcrumbs for the first time in my life about three years ago and i was <laughs> stunned at just how easy it was i was very yeah um but so that's not necessarily getting creative but but learning how to do a few of those things but just mixing up um various things you've got in your, your fridge or your freezer yeah. to sort of make meals and because often it's the really random meals that do end up tasting best i don't know why yeah, um, yeah, yeah and then yeah. and then obviously if all of the above doesn't work of course stick it on earlier yeah yeah definitely i always think you know if we've got any fruit that's looking a bit sorry for itself i normally try and whack it in a cake of some sort to disguise it or you know smoothies are great yeah. aren't they smoothies and then, yeah. i'm queen of smoothies and soup because you know if the kids are going to turn their nose up at a wrinkly something we'll just blend it <laughs> <laughs> blend it yeah. with some others and uh, serve it up that way <laughs> yeah I I, uh, I use those same tricks myself <laughs> yeah yeah no they're perfect for sneaking some extra um bits in past the kids 
So how optimistic are you feeling about the future right now? I guess, one, in terms of Olio, but two, more generally, in terms of where we're at with the climate crisis and the action that's being taken? Um, Big question. It's a difficult one um, because I am inherently an optimist. Okay. But the reality is that we are in a very, very, very bad place Mm. um, from everything that I have learned about the true state of the planet. Mm. Um, I had the, can't decide whether it was great fortune or misfortune to spend um, Saturday afternoon uh, in a room with one of the co-founders of Extinction Rebellion. Wow. And again, just hearing sort of the truth. So their number one request is that the people are told the truth about the climate crisis. Um, It was very hard. I mean, we all, men and women, we we were all just crying. (laughs) So we are in a dark place um and i think that we need to collectively recognize that and then get galvanized by yeah. it um because i because sadly we, we've done virtually nothing for 30 years yeah. the reality is we've done we've done virtually nothing and 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 what makes me optimistic is if i think about what were to happen if we were to treat this as if it was a war you yeah. know and, and i every man woman and child steps up to the plate it's front cover news every single day Mm. it's the number one thing that the government is focused on that businesses are focused on if we truly galvanized ourselves to respond like that then of course we could um, take dramatic steps to start solving this problem Um, but this is where the people power bit comes in yeah so I was out with my kids marching um, on Friday as part of the um, school children climate strikes because ultimately, all of our major institutions have been completely remiss. Mm-hmm. The government, the media and businesses have done the square root of nothing yeah. so far. And it's only when we, the people, take our, our voices and our feet and our pound coins yeah. and say, I'm not prepared to spend my money like this anymore. And I'm coming out into the streets and I'm demanding change. Mm. That is what is going to trigger change um, and I am feeling therefore incredibly optimistic because I've Sasha and I've been slogging away at Olio for four yeah. and a half years and it finally feels like something is happening now yeah. is the moment people I never expected to be talking about this are talking about it um, yeah. it and, does and feel that like... is what gives me courage and optimism yeah it feels like change is happening I think um I've you know I've got this book coming out in January and I had to finish writing it by last by the January just gone and even yeah. in that time frame from January to now, it feels like yeah. so much has changed that I almost need to rewrite. A, lot, the a book. lot has happened. Yeah. So, um, yeah. We just need to turn all this momentum into action now. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So where can we download um, Olio? So you can go to the App Store if you're on Apple uh, or Google Play if you have an Android device, or you can use the web app if you don't have any form of smartphone. Uh, and that's on our website, which is www.oleoex.com. Brilliant. And on social media, where can we find social you? Social media, our, um, we are very active on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And our handle there is at Oleo and then underscore EX. Brilliant. So that's short for Oleo Exchange. Oh, I wonder who's wondered what the egg. <laughs> well, sa- sadly, sadly, we were not able to... <laughs> By the oleo.com domain so right. we're, yeah we're oh, but i like the ex makes sense like it's just a random add-on <laughs> <laughs> just a semi-random add-on yeah yeah oh brilliant thank you so much for your time and for well, thank you inspiring us and infusing us all to to get on and start tackling food waste and facilitating us doing that and to do it in the easiest way possible so yeah You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.